Hello and welcome back to the JV Squad Podcast. I'm Jew Bear, joined here by the Nooch. Snoochy Poochie. And uh, it's been it's been kind of a slow week in sports, I would say. Yeah, but... it has. Like, the, probably the biggest thing we had to do, in, or we had to look forward to in sports, was kicking out our stranger from last week. Yep. And Did you get his name? I didn't, actually. Simple Rick, I think it was. <laughs> What a great name. Yeah, I know, right? It was like Just James on the podcast last week. It's just like a like a funny, like simple name. No, that that couldn't have been his name. No. Was... He, he's not important. No one's going to remember him. I remember he was like, those viewers are going to go up. We'll see. We'll no, see. no, they went the other way. They tanked. Actually, should should we should we ask the no? They all here, right? Those the viewers I could tell from the early statistics they tanked harder than the uh, the Miami Dolphins did for Tua Tagovailoa. We're very sorry for the stroke that we he just had. Yeah, I just had a stroke mid sentence. But yeah, Tua, Tua Tagovailoa. T square. Why does he use that as like a marketing thing to be his like nickname T square? I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of those kind of nick. Like, I feel like there are a lot of people who have like nicknames where I'm just like, you're just gonna shorten your name. Like, I remember like Vincent Jackson went by V Jackson. Like, is that really a nickname or are you just shortening? No, that, your name? yeah, that's just. But like T Square would be like, cause nobody has done that. Yeah, for me, like some nickname. There are some interesting nicknames actually in sports. Now that I think about it, there are. There's a lot of good ones. Like, uh, one of my favorites is uh, a guy who used to play for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Now he just signed a deal with the um, Calgary Flames. Are you talking about Pickles? Yes, Pickles oh, was dear. a former New Jersey Devil. Yes, I know, but he got that nickname because it was uh, a game we went to. Uh, it was the opening night, 2017-18 season, when there was the first game with the new Jumbotron. Yeah. And he'd got a penalty, and he drank pickle juice in the penalty box. Oh, and so, and somebody caught it, like, they took a picture of it, and they put it on Twitter, and ever since then, he's been known as Pickles. I just feel like, I, I don't know, like, looking nowadays at kind of how the, I feel like a lot, like, back in the day, nicknames were better i don't know if it's just me like well, looking looking to like the nicknames of today spe mm -hmm. specifically in the nfl yeah. like just thinking about those because i remember i was watching i was watching a video on the nfl on nicknames and they were like yeah no one has nicknames anymore it's always just like shortening of the names yeah because what i think it is <clears throat> back then players didn't really what i feel like it was like players didn't really see themselves as a brand or as a marketing tactic, which a lot of players today really do. Like, they understand, yeah. like, today, sports have become more of a business than ever before. Yeah. And you see, like, a bunch of these, like, players, they have their own brands and their own identities. And, like, they have their own logos. They have this whole, like, brand to themselves that they well, they market when they have a sponsorship with, like, let's say Reebok or Adidas when it comes to, like, equipment like, you know, when you go to the store and you see, like, uh, Nike shoes or, you know, like an Adidas glove or a um, Spalding basketball, they are always have that player brand and their own, like, their own I identity. 
I feel like there aren't a lot of people that do that. Like, I remember back in the 80s in football, Brian Bosworth, when he was going by the boss yeah. and he was rocking the mullet. He and was everything. a, yeah, he was a, he was one of the guys who I was one like, one of the first he, in the least football, which I love those kind of personalities when you look at like the boss as, yeah, the boss, uh, Broadway Joe, Broadway Joe Namath was another yeah. one. Um, I mean, Carl Malone, the mailman. Yes, uh, Which, in basketball. I mean, hell, Michael Jordan was probably the first one in basketball to do it. Yeah. Because, like, as popular as... Or Megatron, who... Megatron? Well... Just, yeah. Yeah, he just went into Calvin the Hall Johnson. of Fame. But, yeah, like, that's... He was, like... He's, to me, like a Barry Sanders to a player, like, that wasn't... He would be considered the greatest of all time mm-hmm. if he would have played on a better team and if he would have played a longer career. Because yeah. the common thing that I see with both of those players is that they played for the Detroit Lions, which is a very underwhelming organization. Wait, you're talking about Megatron and... And Barry Sanders. And Barry Sanders, okay. They both played for the Detroit Lions, not known for a lot of success, especially uh, in the Super Bowl era. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Lions have never been known for success, at least in the Super Bowl era. Yeah, I mean, like, they There had... was a time back in the 50s and 60s where they were actually pretty good they yeah. had they had some cornerstones i remember linebacker joe schmidt he was like one yeah. of the best linebackers of that like a lot time. of the franchises of today a lot of their success raising uh resins resonates resonates there we go i had to get it out <laughs> but like a lot of their success in the franchise's histories like the browns and the uh the lions it's sort of the bears a little bit Giants, they have a lot more success pre-Super Bowl. Even though they do have four Super Bowls, they have, I think, five pre-Super Bowl championships. Yeah, and I, I feel like a lot of... It's it's kind of interesting seeing some of the teams who, like, pre-Super Bowl were able to put it all together, and now yeah. they just don't have that same success. Whether yeah. relocation, whether, whether they just lost what made them the champions that they were. Like, one of the yeah. big things that I remember is that the Vikings, when they played outside at, at that... Oh, at, nobody at the, liked playing. It was a Metropolitan Stadium. The, it the, was, the yeah. Twins also played. I was going to say the Met, but I was like, that's... No, yeah, that, that was its nickname. Yeah. And the Vikings, I remember, in that time, in... They went to four Super Bowls. Yeah. Since they've moved inside to their new they stadium, didn't win one. they haven't even made it to one. Yeah. Which, so, like, there's a lot of times where, like, you get these relocations, you get these, like, they take away what makes these teams great. And I feel like a lot of teams, at least in the NFL from that time, they changed what made them so formidable or they changed their home field advantage in a way and they kind of made them not the same. Yeah. Like, I, I think specifically to, like, Seattle. Yeah. With with CenturyLink, it's so loud there. They have the 12th man. They, 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 they have this whole aura about them that makes it so hard to play there. And it, it's a lot. It has to do with designing the stadiums. Absolutely. And it's the way, because they have, they don't have, like, like it's a roof technically. Yeah. But, like, they they don't have, like, a dome or a, a place, like, like, they're not, like, Metrodome. Or um, the Vikings' new place, uh, I think it's like U.S. Bank Field or whatever. Yeah, I, I like don't like when it's like covered. I don't like when you have all these like sponsors. I like just the old nicknames. Like, I mean, a lot of it. Like, I loved for as a Steelers fan when they ch- like I like Heinz Field. I love Heinz Field, yeah. but the fact that it's you know named after a ketchup brand instead of Three River Stadium, I I really I, I mean, really missed those kind of names. As m- 
as much as we miss it, a lot of those stadiums they get paid through sponsorship money. Yeah. So it it's a necessary evil. Oh no, I I definitely I understand why they do it. I wish they didn't, but, but I like, understand you you in, need you need the funding. In the course of Heinz, isn't that a Pittsburgh company? I believe so. I like, mean, it. <sighs> Like the Prudential I, I think Center, so, yeah. Prudential Center is in Newark. It's obviously named after Prudential Insurance, yeah. and it's based in Newark. Hell, like that was my old job. I I worked in the mailroom of the global headquarters of Prudential Insurance. Yeah, and so like that's a Newark-based company. So and a lot of like I feel like a lot of the sport brands should they go like as much as nobody likes the sponsorship money and the sponsorship names like some of the stupid names they could come uh, they come up with like my uh Marlins Park oh my god they just yeah. renamed it to I don't even know the name of it but it's something really really stupid uh Safeco Field like yeah. that was a sponsorship in itself but within the last couple of years they renamed it to uh, T-Mobile Park you know what? One of the dumbest names that I remember hearing about as far as nickname. So the Pelicans, formerly the Hornets in yeah. New Orleans, they now play at the Smoothie King Center. I kind of like that name. I don't like it. I don't. I, I don't like the branding of the stadium. I like. Just, oh, there's a lot of brandings. That I, don't no, no, I, I, and that's that's part of what. Like, how how hard is it to act? You know, and and defend tenaciously at least your home field advantage when you play at. The Smoothie King Center. I mean, it just kind of undercuts yeah, no, the. I, like, I I I, uh, I agree with you saying because like like people go like instead of Prudential, I like when going back to the Devils, they play at the Rock. Well, that it's the nickname. No, no, I, I know and some of the of nicknames Prudential. are better. Well, it's because of the Prudential. Yeah. Because uh, it's yeah, the Prudential logo was a big rock. Yeah. So that's how it got that nickname. But like those kind of, I, I like character. I like having this colorful just like it helps sports and it makes sports more enjoyable i think see that's why one thing um that i'm really excited to see is the islanders for those that don't don't know the new york islanders since they moved out of the college uh, nassau veterans memorial coliseum the first yeah. time they've been having a lot of arena issues mm. because from the coliseum they moved to brooklyn's barclay center yeah. And as beautiful as an arena it is, because I've been there many times for um, NXT wrestling. The Barclays, yeah. As beautiful as it is, it's not made for, it's not properly equipped for hockey. Yeah, it just... can play hockey, but it's not properly equipped. So they had a lot of problems. Mm. And so 2019-2020 season, and I believe the, even the year before, they played sort of like a split schedule. They played some of the games at the Coliseum, the new newly renovated Coliseum. And some games at the Barclay Center. And then this past year was the first time they actually, for one season, did f a full schedule at the Coliseum, the newly renovated. And I actually it, want to go there for a hockey game since I'm going to be in Long Island for um, school anyway. There was a couple of years ago. They had, they were in, obviously, they were, uh, the Islanders were in the playoffs and they made it to the second round. Yeah. So it was the year that they got, they swept the Penguins. And then the very next season or series, they got swept by the Hurricanes. Yeah. The first season where they swept the uh, Penguins, that was at the Coliseum. It was allowed. The Coliseum legitimately became the best arena in the NHL because it was so loud, rambunctious, and it's 
like legitimate Islander fans there. Which unfortunately was kind of undercut. At least I feel like all the sports were kind of undercut, especially dealing with the COVID pandemic. Not having the fans there, I feel like took away. Like I remember, I just watched. Well, I watched videos of like players coming back, like yeah, mic'd yeah. up players coming back to their stadiums and playing in front of no fans. Yeah. I can only, it's like playing in front, it's like a ghost town. Like, there's it, it no was. reaction, you're just, you're, it's like playing a scrimmage game. It doesn't but feel like a game. The point I was trying to make, because yeah. this is pre-COVID. Yep. And so the next series against the Hurricanes took place at the Barclays Center. It was not the same arena. Oh, yeah, you're getting it different was, fans. You're was, getting Brooklyn. Yeah, the Brooklyn them. fans, it, it was harder for actual Islander fans to travel mm. to Brooklyn. So when they moved back to the Coliseum, they obviously this past season was like it was amazing and even as a devils fan like saying like how like seeing how the the coliseum was like every single night electric it was sold out yeah. only had th- and this is an arena now that only fits like maybe 13,000 at most for hockey which used to seat about 20,000 yeah so the point I was trying to make was that their next arena is taking a lot of the characteristics from the Coliseum. And the biggest thing that they're doing is the low roof. Mm-hmm. They're having their roof row, uh, lowered. I almost said rowered. Roof uh, lowered. Roof, <laughs> uh, roof rowered. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the point is like they were having the roof lowered so that the noise... Like it, it's less distance for the noise to travel. Oh, yeah, it doesn't have to travel as far yeah. to bounce off the. Because they're hoping to try to take what they noise. have at the Coliseum yeah. and bring it to this new arena, which is at the uh, the Belmont. Well, actually, when you look at a lot of the designs of stadiums, yeah, they're made so that their home fans are part of the experience. They're part of the team. Yeah, which especially like CenturyLink Field, specifically Seattle, you hear yeah. all the time that they the decibels they break. Yeah, you know, they're they and basically it's basically like yeah. a jet flying overhead. That's what the partial roof has a lot to yeah. contribute. And that's what it, that's how it goes. It's not a full roof, so it just when the uh, the noise hits the top of the roof, it just circles right back down to. Not the that field. we're physicists or anything, but no, it, yeah, or architects. You mean? I mean, you look at the physics of sound and how it travels, also, and how it. But yeah, I digress. <laughs> See, I I really love like there's two things I love about sports. It's like hockey, like or not one well, hockey jersey, yes, but just like the whole branding of a team, yeah. like their jersey, their concept, their logos, and the building of their stadiums. Like I love not watching the games, but like I, how the stadium is. I built. just no, love okay. watching like the progress of like stadium construction. It's just like a interesting topic to me. Like even before Prudential Center was built, I, I would still do that. And like uh, it, it, it's just a cool thing to see a whole pile of land become this really amazing venue. And then you have some venues like going back to the sound discussion. Yeah. Like Kansas City. That's just a natural Kansas stadium. City is, yeah. Like that stadium, I don't know how they get that loud. And like uh, the Packers have, it, it get it can get loud. Yeah, it's just that there are times where it, it might not get loud. It's well, very fluctuating. It, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at how many fans are also fitting into these stadiums. Yeah, capacities also. The Packers, you know, I think, have like the uh, Lambeau Field. I think is like eighty thousand. Yeah, which is pretty big. It, it is pretty big. It's like the third biggest. Yeah. Um, and like that's that's the thing you have to like deal with with stadium construction mm-hmm. is how much amenities you get to put in and like 
how like because a lot of these stadiums take up a lot like what drives their cost up mm. is that they have they used a whole amount of space. No. Like well, yeah, you than, want you want to maximize the amount of space that you're. But unfortunately, yeah. they don't put in that many. Like the seats are going down. Like in terms of total capacity. Yeah. Like I think it's the SoFi Stadium or Allegiant Stadium. Don't get me started with SoFi. Ugh. SoFi, I like it. It's a nice stadium, but I I don't like the fact that basically because you have the Chargers and you have. Oh, I I don't like the Chargers. I don't there. like the Chargers and the Rams there, and I don't. I like love the, the Rams there. Well, yeah, me, that, they, they were in L.A. and then The Rams belong Louis. in L.A. And like, I, I like them in I, St. Louis. I keep Louis. on saying this. If we talk about this, yeah. St. Louis 100% deserves an NFL team, but they should not be the Rams. It's like it's like the Colts, to me. Like I feel like the Colts should, should be should in, Baltimore, in Baltimore. And it, but Indianapolis does deserve a team. Absolutely. Because they I, I think Colts. that that move keeping putting the Colts in Indianapolis and letting the Ravens be the Ravens in Baltimore. Yeah. Even though they're really the Browns from the from the early days, the eighties, that, like that the cardiac kids, that whole that whole legacy. Yeah. I like the I like how they did that. It doesn't feel like the Colts don't belong in Indianapolis and it doesn't feel like the Ravens don't belong in Baltimore. That's well, one thing I, I, yeah. I like how they maneuvered that. It may have not been the smoothest because no. I remember when the the, the then Colts. Browns up and left in the middle of the night to go to no that was that was the colts they literally in the middle of the night when everybody was sleeping just went straight to indianapolis they went right into yeah i remember watching the buses pull away yeah that was brutal (laughs) and like because like that's the like the double-edged sword of baltimore they got a team back yeah but and arguably a more successful team. Yeah, and but they ripped a team like they put another city in their situation. Yeah. And like St. Louis, if you look at St. Louis, they have enough they have now I think it's like three teams that they lost. So they, they lost the I know they St. lost St. Louis Cardinals. The, back the original in the day. Cardinals, yeah. Uh, the Rams. But although they were Chicago, then they moved to St. Louis, then they moved to Atlanta. Yeah, but Arizona. either way they got a team and lost the team. Uh St. Louis Rams. And then there's another team that I feel like... Oh, you know what? I think it's the original Browns. I think they moved from St. Louis to Cleveland. Like, I think they were St. Louis, uh, St. Louis's original team. Um, I was actually going to look into that, but... Yeah, no, there are just some... There are some markets in, 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 the, in like, the United States that I feel like don't get certain teams for certain sports. Like, when you think of certain towns, Indianapolis, until... Yeah. Until Peyton Manning and the Colts made it a football town, it was absolutely a basketball town. You thought about the Pacers, I think, a lot more. Well, that was the only team that was there. Well, and that's the thing. But like the, I think one of the big issue, one of the big um, challenges of of a team basically coming into a, a town where they have a professional sports team from another sport. Yeah, is that you have to compete with the fandom of that sport, That's, and you have to try to make it your own. That was the biggest problem I had with the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, they were like I, I my that was the biggest thing I was scared of is that they were a test run for the Raiders because as soon as the Vegas Golden Knights got approved for expansion, it seemed like immediately, like maybe a month later. The Raiders announced they were going to move to Vegas. And, like, because, like, especially with SoFi, that stadium was, like, one of, like, four proposed stadiums for an L.A. team. 
that before the Rams even came back. But like Vegas and the Raiders, they proposed one stadium. Like that state, Allegiant Stadium was proposed for Oakland. The same exact concept and design and everything, but it was proposed for Oakland. And yeah. Oakland has been re- like Oakland. As much as they love, they love the Raiders. Like, I believe the Raiders should be in Oakland. And the athletics, to me, should stay in Oakland. Well, the, but the athletics the city, moved around a couple different... They have. They right? were in Philly. Then they moved to Kansas City. But thankfully, because Philly already had two teams. Yeah. So... They didn't... And I think it was the Phillies that were the, even the more popular team. That's the thing. Like, sometimes it's, yeah. it's like... To have multiple sports teams in a certain, in a very, t- like a, a city or a vicinity, you're taking away the fandom of one team and you're yeah. kind of sacrificing that, that fan base, which yeah. is why I personally think, I know that New York is a big city and everything, but I feel like having three football teams, for, even though Buffalo is North, Northwest, uh, well, see, New York. Be, uh, football, I feel like is an exception because Buffalo is not New York City. See, because, like, the New York City market has two teams. and that's Even though the... they play in New Jersey. <coughs> See, and, like, <laughs> at least with the hockey, right? Yeah. So, two of the teams started in New York. And, like, because the original New York team is not the Rangers. It's a team called the New York Americans. Oh, yeah. I, I remember seeing. Because they originally played in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And then the guy that owned Madison Square Garden was so, like, he saw, like, how successful the Americans were. So he created his own team. Then that's how the Rangers got started. Yeah. And they pretty much. I mean, they're going to the be American rough out. years when you have those kind of like basically you're coming into another market. You're coming into a market where there's another team that's. Well, it, he saw how successful the original team was because yeah. they were renting. Yeah. And he was like, I want that money. So he created the Rangers, kicked the Americans out. They moved to Brooklyn for like a season or two. Then a fire got them um, evicted from their rank. And I forgot, they moved to, like, I think Pittsburgh for one or two years and called themselves the Quakers, and then the team folded. That's all, if you look at hockey, that's a lot of the hockey, like, early history before the original six. A lot of those early teams either had, like, fires or merged with other teams. Well, that's kind of what happens with, I I feel like that's what happens with most sports. When you look at the early days, when you're getting things going... You're gonna have teams folding. You're gonna have teams emerging. Yep. It's it's gonna be a lot until the league kind of solidifies yeah. for the most part, and you, and you going, get what you get today. Going back to what you were saying about like the how ripping one teams away from another. Yeah. That's one thing I like with baseball because baseball, if you look at the history of baseball, they've been pretty much on top, with the exception maybe Montreal. Every team that loses a team within five years usually got another team, like. Uh, Minnesota, or Washington, I should say. The Capitals? Washington. The original Senators, I forgot how long they were there, but they moved to, I think the first Senator team moved to Minnesota? You're talking about hockey? No, baseball, baseball. Okay, sorry. The original, yeah, Washington. Sorry, Ottawa Senators. Yeah, yeah, they folded. But the original Washington Senators moved to Minnesota, became the Twins, and literally that same year, there was a new Washington team that sprouted. Yeah. Also called the Senators, and within 10 years, they moved to Texas. And obviously, Washington didn't get another team for, like, 30 years with yeah. the Nationals and the Expos. But, like, like New York, they lost two teams, both National League teams. Within five years, they got another team with the Mets. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Kansas the Brooklyn City. Dodgers were there, and then they... Brooklyn Dodgers, and... Because the Brooklyn Dodgers, right? There was another team that I'm forgetting off. The New York Giants. Oh, yeah, it was the Giants. That's uh, that's how the football team, the football New York yep. Giants, that's how they got their name from the baseball team. Yeah. 
So which I like that name. I, yeah. I do like the Giants. Just so the whole thing was in 1957, right? One of the New York was going to lose one of its three baseball teams. Min, the Giants were going to move. Originally, they were scheduled to move to Minnesota because they had their farm team there, yep. and they had a clause in that contract that said if there's any team that looks to move to Minnesota, Giants have first claim. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's like expression or expansion or relocation. So what the deal was, they were going. They were like it was almost signed. It was pretty much all but done. And then the Dodgers couldn't get their stadium, and they they proposed to put a stadium exactly in the spot where Barclays Center is now, and it was going to be the first ever dome stadium in, in American sports. It's going to be, I think it was tentatively called the Dodger Dome. And, I mean, there was no real... I feel like baseball and domes don't mix, but yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like, well, when I, when I think of baseball, you... You want it to be outside. You want it to be outside. You want the when it's a when it's a sunny day. You want the sun, you know, coming down. Maybe baseball is the wrong because baseball. I know that they're very. You can't you can't play in the rain, which yeah. I get. It gets very messy. It gets yeah, dangerous yeah. and everything. But I think it was I don't know. I like sports and the elements, though. I mean, with the thing with dodge or the Dodgers, right? No. I I almost said dodgeball. The dodgeball. Um, <laughs> dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. It's so. an amazing movie. Great. But the thing with them is that they wanted. I think they just wanted to be like ahead of the curve because no, there was never like. Having a dome stadium was a pipe dream back then. Yeah. So I think they just wanted to be ahead of the curve. And so the city obviously rejected it because it was going to be a lot of money. And knowing that space, I'm not sure a dome stadium would work. Yeah. Like, obviously an arena works because the arenas are much smaller. But having a domed, where the like a domed baseball stadium where the Barclays Center is, not sure if that would... I think... The city of Brooklyn or the the borough of Brooklyn made the right call. So what they did was, in an effort to try to keep the Dodgers and the Giants, they offered both of them pretty much the lot where Shea Stadium was and now City Field is. And the Giants didn't want it. And the Dodgers were like, we're the Brooklyn Dodgers. We're not the Queens or, you know, whatever Dodgers. We're the Brooklyn Dodgers. Which I I can I can appreciate yeah. that. And then, so, Walter Malley, the owner of the Dodgers at the time, started talking to the city of L.A. And the city of L.A. was like, obviously they wanted a professional baseball team. Because yeah. I think they had the Rams at that point, And I believe the Rams were the only... Prof- like, like in the 60s or... I mean, 50s. It, it was, well, late 50s, late 50s going into So this is like 56, 57. I, yeah, the Rams were still there. So like the Dodgers were talking to the city of LA and I think the Rams were the only team that was there because uh, the Lakers hadn't even moved yet. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Kings weren't a thing for like another 10 years. So, because the, the only baseball team they had were, I think a team called the, I think actually were the LA Angels, the the original LA Angels, which was a triple A team. In, and Major League Baseball was like, so they, uh, obviously they came to a deal. So Major League Baseball said, in order for you to move to LA, there needs to be another team there. The Dodgers talked to the Giants and got them to move to San Francisco. So that's why they both moved there. Yeah. Going back, that's within five years later came the New York Mets. And then you look at like a city, uh, what we were talking about with, you know, how baseball, how quick it is to give a, a city, a, a team back. Yep. Kansas City. They had the they had the Monarchs in the Negro Leagues, and obviously when the Negro Negro League folded, the Athletics came to um, 
Kansas City. Then Kansas City, they they were only in Kansas City for maybe six years. Yeah. Seven years. They were there for a cup of coffee. Not quite a cup of coffee. A little more than a cup of coffee. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe one of those Dunkin' boxes of or coffee. Or a croissant. Or a croissant. If you go to a Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they moved to Oakland. Yeah. And then immediately comes the Royals. And then you look at Seattle. And they slowly they went from Philly to St. Louis right in the middle and then yep. all the way out to Oakland. Yeah, they, it was a bus stop. Yeah. Um, or a rest stop. And then they like look at a city like Seattle. They had the um the pilots for only yeah. one season because that stadium that they played in was notoriously the worst stadium in the history of like baseball and football because like they were talking about how like the seats were so bad that after one season the Expos were Canada's original team. Yeah. They I believe it was nineteen sixty nine they joined Major League Baseball. And then the Blue Jays joined in like the late seventies, I believe it was, because Montreal was so successful originally. Yeah, it, it's nice to see like because I mean when you think of Canadian teams in professional sports, at least North American sports, obviously can uh hockey's the first one with all yeah. with you know, seven teams there. Yeah. Um baseball has the one. NFL doesn't have any, which No. But technically Honestly, I consider I mean, Buffalo, Buffalo because yeah. they're, they're so close. They're so close. And, like, there has always been that um, should Buffalo. Like, because, like, apparently Buffalo has had talks with, oh, I forgot what city it was. I want to say San Antonio. They had talked to uh, before. So they did announce not that long ago that Buffalo was going to build a new stadium. I think it was, like, they were going to go halvesies on, the like, the payments and all that. Like, Buffalo is going to get a new stadium yeah. for the Bills. But, so, for the longest time, it was always talked about, should the Bills not be able to play in Buffalo, they would, like, odds are the favorite was to relocate them to Toronto to get into that Canadian market. Because Canadian football, obviously, it's Canadian football. They have the football. CFL. They no, have the CFL. And it is quite popular. And I would say Canada is probably the second biggest football market, or at least the second biggest American football market besides United States, obviously. I mean, you think about, like, they have the they have the international game in London, but I don't think... I, don't I mean, think it's like they, a, it's a one-time yeah, spectacle a that... They did it in Mexico the one year with the, yeah. with the Raiders and... Like, oh, because that, that was... The field was horrible then yeah. for some reason. And that's like the biggest stadium in Mexico. Like, I feel like Mexico would be better suited for a baseball team than at like any other sport. Because like one of the... Well, a lot of, a lot of imports, at least from... From the Hispanic countries. Yeah, like baseball is a very popular uh, sport in the Hispanic, especially those Central American countries. Yeah. Baseball is very popular. But like one of the sports that I always see like when it comes to expansion is the NBA. Like they always say the NBA should look at Mexico City. And like, I don't know how I feel. About I wouldn't know how I feel. Like I feel like baseball would be 100% like it would be successful down there because yeah. The, uh, I remember watching a video from is this ball hawk guy, ball hawk guy. Excuse me. His name is Zach Hample, mm. and he gets like ten balls a game, and he goes to like every. Oh stadium. yeah, I remember you told me about yeah. this. You don't like the, that he does it, but I don't like it because like especially with him, like he seems a little smug. Like he's nice, yeah. but when it comes to like the the hawking, yeah. He seems a little smug. I mean, it would be cool if I was just like, you know, if I had all yeah. these baseball, but, you know. But, like, because, like, like, one thing was he caught A-Rod's 3,000th hit. 
Yeah. And like he was very, very stingy about it. like like obviously like a big milestone like that. You wanna give it back to the player. Like like I always had that, like if I ever caught like a big milestone like home run or something like that, whether whether it's like a first career home run or like a like a one hundred or two hundred or something like that. So what happens is the security comes to you and you know, obviously they want the ball back. And they'll offer like a trade or anything like that. I'll just ask, can I be the one to give it to him? Because give it to the player, like the uh, you know their ball back. Because you wouldn't me, ask for an autograph or anything. I mean, obviously they would because I think that's I'd, the I nicest. think I'd be like you know if They'd always you want the ball back, like, like I I'm yeah. willing to give it back if I could just get like an autograph they usually, jersey or something. They give usually it's like an autograph bat usually. Yeah, which. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, I, all I'd ask is just to be the one to hand it to the player because that would be cool to do. Yeah, like I just want to be like to the one like because I caught the ball, so I want to be the one to con- be able to congratulate the player on his accomplishment. Yeah, and I like, I definitely agree with that. I feel like if, if if I ever got caught in that situation, I would just be like autograph, please. Yeah, and like but like I, I'm not like gonna hold it hostage. Yeah, I'm not gonna not give no, it back. No. But, like, he went to... So, what I was trying to say was he went to a game in Mexico. Yeah. And he was talking to a lot of the natives. It was, I believe, Dodgers and Padres. It was somebody in Padres. I want to say it was the Dodgers. But, um, yeah, it was in uh, Monterey. Okay. And they were very, very excited for that series. Because, obviously, it's baseball, so they're going to have a three-game series there. Or at least a two-game series there. Yeah. And they were very, very, very excited to get Major League Baseball down there because of how popular baseball is in Mexico and those Central American countries. Yeah, I, I definitely think like Puerto Rico, DR, D- Dominican Republic, Mexico, yeah. um, even even down in you know, I don't think Brazil so much. No, 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 no. Yeah. It, it's like Brazil. You're getting into once you pass like it's like Argentina is like the cutoff. Yeah. Um, but, like, going back to when we were talking about the Mexican NFL game. Yeah. You would think... So, like, that stadium, obviously, it's designed for soccer. Yeah. Because soccer, obviously, is the biggest sport in the Central American... And in the as, entire world. Yeah. But. I mean, as big as baseball is, soccer, obviously, is going to be reigning people, king. People people take it like a, it's a religion. Like, yeah. It's very... Like, how we take football or, like, how Canada takes baseball... Yeah. Or um. Oh, well, here's a it. here's a good question, and this is kind of just off the top of my head. Okay. Which do you think is America's pastime currently? Currently, in the current situation, I would say football because of the decline of baseball. I just feel like I look at so like I agree with you on that, and the reason why I'm going to say it's America's pastime over baseball is that it's kind of similar to WWE as far as, like, WrestleMania making it this huge crossover, like, you have this huge... It's basically, they put it on a pedestal, pop culture, all this yeah. stuff comes in. When you look at the Super Bowl, and you look, they give you two weeks, they do the interviews, yeah. they do all this stuff, and it's like, you get so much attention yeah. just for that game. And it all started, like... Because, like, I see it as, like, the late 80s, early 90s. That's when you see, like, the very sudden rise of the NFL. Because the NFL, as big as it was, it was still behind baseball. Baseball was the king in America up until, like, the late 80s, early 90s. And even, like, towards the home run days, or the the steroid days. Well, realistically, I feel like the shift kind of happened when... So, like, if I look back in the 50s and 60s, you look at these big stars, but the NFL really didn't have that traction. When you no. look at, like, 
Jim Brown, you look at Deacon Jones, you look yeah. at all these great players in the 60s and 70s, up until the 80s when you started having these, I mean, I could even look at the tail end of the 70s with the Steelers dynasty, but realistically, the dynasties of the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Patriots yeah. in, recent, well, in, in the 2000s, I feel like those dynasties and the 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 stage kept getting bigger. Yeah, like the, one of the things that I look at it, right? You look at the halftime performances in the Super yep. Bowl. Like especially like the first one that everybody talks about as being like such of like a huge like event or some sh- uh oh, whoops. The first like big like super time halftime show was maybe I I would say at least the Michael Jackson one. I think it was like 92 or 93. Yeah, it was, and it was, that was like I think it was the I I, don't I forgot know. what song he sang, but like cause like he came in off of like they tried to make it look like he came off of a uh, rocket ship or uh, he had a uh, jetpack. Ninety three. Uh, yeah, and like yeah. he was like the one of the first real big like halftime shows, and that's where you started to see like cause like especially in ninety three he was like one of the top musicians even at then. Yeah. Like he was still one of the biggest like names in music, and he is performing a halftime musical at the Super Bowl. That's where you started to see the Super Bowl come less of the NFL championship game and more of this whole huge phenomenon. Which is kind of like, like what the WWE did. Yeah. When they Basically, I just remember WrestleMania 1, they brought in all these stars and they tried making it yeah. as... They tried drawing as many eyeballs, which... That's how they, that's how they did, yeah. Smart business decision to he, get that going. And that's one of the things like, they credit Vince McMahon with. It was because of WrestleMania, that's how our modern-day pay-per-view system was created. Which, for better or worse, the system was yeah. created because now it just seems like every... But that's that's for another time talking that's a about whole how, long, topic, how yeah. three hours of wrestling for a show a weekly show is a little too much. Yeah. But um, back to what we were talking about with the NFL, like it just seemed like... While baseball, I'm not going to say declined, football baseball rose... To meet it and then surpass. It oh as, no! Baseball as... did decline because you could see, especially with the attendance. Attendance is a very on a very shift decline. Like you look at. Well, I'm it... talking more more on the '90s. I I don't think I don't. Nineties. I don't think you was... saw the decline that you're referring to nowadays as far as attendance. Well, here's the thing. Like in the '90s, it was like, because it was like cause what happened in the '90s. It was a lot of player strikes. Yeah. And especially because the player strike in 94 that canceled the season probably cost Montreal their franchise. Yeah. Because Montreal was the best team at the the uh, the, the time of the strike. They probably would have won the World Series. Yeah. Had they won that World Series, they probably still, we'd still have the Washington Expos. And there either should be a Washington expansion team or baseball would still be not in Washington right now. I don't know. I feel like. Well, no, I'm referring specifically to, like, the popularity of baseball. But, yeah, the, the the point is, like, that strike and a lot of the... There was a lot of hoopla back in the 90s, early 90s with baseball. Yeah. Which started to lose fan interest. And, obviously, with football, you started to see more and more fan interest. Like, in the 90s, baseball was starting to be saved or, like, at least had, a, like, a, um, a spike in interest with the steroid era. Especially with the McGuire's and the Sosa's and the uh, Rafael Palmeiro's. Well, you know what they say, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, it helped baseball. Draws eyes to them. Once the whole, like, steroid scandal started, like, that's when you see, like, a huge decline. Because, like, like, you look at a Yankee game. Yankees are always one of the better drawing teams, along with maybe the Cubs and the Red Sox. 
And even them, not that they're struggling to put butts in the seats, but you could see like noticeable sections of like no people. I so there's a part of me when I look at the baseball how they structure the season. Um, I understand that you want them to play every team or or you want these series and everything. There's a part of me where I just feel like 162 games like it's hard to keep up attendance for all those games. It didn't. It didn't. There was no problem back when. It, well, no, I I'm think saying it's like I, I think I, I look at it and I'm just like, there are so many games to like. There are go to. There are, but the thing I don't know is, where I'm going with this specifically, but no, it, like I I know what you mean because it's like, oh well, there there's not a game today. I feel like it's hard to keep tomorrow. interest for so many games to keep uh, like. I've been trying in the past couple of years to keep up with my team, the Cincinnati Reds, yeah. as much as I can. But it's hard to, like, from a day-to-day basis, stay on top of everything that's because going he, on. Like, the, here's the thing, right, with baseball. The one problem that baseball has that the other three sports don't is that they're still, like, the old guard is still, like, in very big control. With baseball, they don't have a bunch of marketable It's not that they don't have the marketable stars. It's that they don't want to put the effort into marketing, like, guys like Trout and Fernando Tatis and these guys that have character. There's not a whole lot of character because a lot of the baseball purists don't like it. Well, yeah, like, they, they want to keep it, it. This is a gentleman's game. Yeah. There's well, no... I mean, you go back to how I was talking about uh, in one of the older podcasts, the difference between American baseball and, like, uh, Asian baseball, specifically with Jap- Japan and Korea. They put an emphasis on the characters and, and the crazy stuff and, like, the bat flips and the um, personalities, and like especially with the fans, like the fans, it's like the closest thing to a European soccer game, with especially with all the chants and stuff. Yeah. But obviously, without like the 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 drunkenness and the the stupid violence. I just think of um when it, when I look at baseball, when I look at some of the like you can see this even in the NFL t- today when you talk about how they are controlling celebrations and like. Excessive yeah. celebration, they're penalizing it. I mean, baseball was... I, I don't think baseball was ever... Baseball... To, to the extent that you saw the NFL get to But the thing the was, baseball, you were pretty much taught, don't do it from the start. Well, like, I, and there's one there's one player in the NFL that I always liked watching. Not because, like, I, I don't like celebrations, I don't like this, I don't like that. But I remember going back to... Uh, person we were talking about before Barry Sanders with the Lions he was taught when he was playing football the ultimate disrespect not even disrespect the ultimate like I'm amazing you can't stop me hand the ball straight to the ref because it shows that you got here you're going to get here again and they can't stop you yeah and that like that kind of message is powerful in this sense so like is that kind of I don't think that's necessarily how baseball players look at that's how they were taught but basically, you know, I, I think baseball was looked at as a, a man's game. It was looked at as a gentleman's game, not not yeah. quite to the not quite to the pedestal like how you see these people. But in then, like golf, you look at like, today, like there there's a bunch of whining in baseball. Absolutely. Like there, there there's no crying in baseball though. Yeah, there's no crying. But, but there like, is a lot a, of whining. No, yeah, no, honestly, like there is, because I grew up playing baseball. Yeah. And like when I was playing baseball, there wasn't. A whole bunch of whining but like today like the littlest thing and then you have like the whole other team like one guy can do the littlest thing and the whole other team is gonna go into papers and be like this guy's a bad horrible person this that and the other 
I think like, it's just the aura of baseball. Yeah. Though. Like when I look at it, I think when when I look at the aura of baseball, I think old Yankees pinstripes. Keep your you keep you look presentable. You shave your beard. You keep you know a nice. Well, hair. I mean, style like, I, I think like clean cut, like not quite like military style, like you know that kind it of structure. Like, like it was like like they wanted their players to look like G, straight out of GQ, but like George Steinbrenner wasn't. He took care of his people. Well, I'm because saying as far as when I think of, like, old school baseball, that's what I think, like, very, not military, not not very, but, like, methodical in the approaches and the customs and the traditions that they kept. He, because, the, like, the thing with Steinbrenner, right, he loved his people because, like, with Billy Martin, you look at, because he was hired and fired by the Yankees several times. And the last time he was hired by the Yankees, they had, a, like, a little, like, uh, interaction with Steinbrenner where, like, Martin had said something. And I forgot what it was, but like George Steinbrenner was like, no, no, we didn't talk about that. And he's like, you're fired. And then Billy Martin's like, you didn't even hire me yet. The thing is like Steinbrenner had the ultimate control because like he took on a guy like Daryl Strawberry. And this is like Daryl Strawberry and David Justice. Uh, I don't know. Not David Justice. Um, Dwight Gooden. Like they had problems with drugs. Yeah. But he took them on and he helped them. I don't know if they were uh, rehabilitated yet, but like he helped them. At least try to stay clean if they weren't already clean. Yeah. And because he was like he was a, an extremely extremely nice person. He was stern but fair. If there's a best way to put it, because like he was very demanding. Well, that's all you can hope for. All, yeah. all you can hope for is that even though someone is is going to be stern with you, yeah. they're not going to give you special treatment, and they're not yeah. going to give someone else. But I mean, not even that. But like he was like he was he was stern. Like he demanded a lot from you. Yeah. But he took care of you. Like if he if he liked you, he liked a lot of people. So like he like he took care of you if you were a Yankee. And like he was like he was even like friendly with people on other teams. Like he wasn't he was never considered like a bad guy. He was just very demanding, and he wanted like that excellence on the field. Yeah, which you, you he can built appreciate a dynasty, from, yeah. or he he built like a whole like empire because he was the first owner that had a television channel directly for their own team he built the the yes network the yes network excuse me was first of a kind and then now you see like networks like i know wrigley or the chicago clubs have that uh, i think it's like wrigley vision no not wrigley vision it's like wrigley television network or something like that they have their own network the dodgers have their own network um, I don't think any football teams or hockey teams have their own networks, but like Wrigley Media, I think Wrigley Media, it's something like that. But um, but yeah, they had like their own television channels, and the Yankees and George Steinbrenner were the first to do it. So he was like, well, I feel like the Yankees, a lot of the things they did, and I hate to say it like this, they were ahead of their time and they were what they with what they, they were. did. Like as, a lot of as how... a not Yankees fan, I I can appreciate and I can definitely um respect the what Yankees, they did in that respect in that sense. They still get like a bunch of heat. Like people say, oh, the Yankees buy their championships. Meanwhile, in for baseball today, that's what you have to do to be successful. Yeah. You look at like the teams like the Dodgers and the Phillies and the Red Sox and the Cubs. Like a lot of those uh, more successful teams are not like, are they buying the championship? Maybe. Yeah. But the Yankees were the first to do it and they did it in the nineties. And I mean, even then, like they didn't, it wasn't like an over spend, but like they were, 
they did get a lot of guys who were towards the tail end of their career, like David Justice and a um, Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, even David Wells to an extent was towards the end of his yeah. career. And it's kind of interesting seeing how, not even just baseball, but all sports, it, it the way that um, people have gotten to, like, who have changed, like, how to build a winning team. Yeah. And how to build it. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. you see it, you see it across all sports. And I think, I think that kind of transformation in every sport to how to build a winner yeah. is, it's always, it's always interesting, at least to me to look at, like, you know, going back to the NFL, when you wanted to win it, when you wanted to win a championship back in the day, you relied on the run game. You yep. relied on the defense. Yeah. And there was a point when it was like, air it out, let's throw deep, yeah. let's do all this. And that kind of happened in the late 70s, early yeah. 80s when they started opening up. That's when you had, like, Dan Marino throwing for over 5,000 yards. Yeah. That's where you had, like, Brett everything changing. Yeah. And I, f and and um, I don't I don't think you see that much as far as like play on the field like for football. baseball at least. No, well for baseball it's there, there. There really hasn't been, at least in my opinion, there hasn't been a huge shift in how to win. Because baseball it it differs from team to team. Like they're like a Cubs, right? I mean, people are built differently. Are you going to win by out pitching the other team, or are you going to win by out hitting the other team? <laughs> well, that's more of like a philosophy. Well, and, I'm talking and that's, about but, like, but that's kind of what I was alluding to with football. It yeah. used to be run first, pass by necessity. Then but it the became was, pass and then run if you need to. In the form of the Yankees, run to close right? out a game more. In the form of the Yankees, they went out and spent money. Mm -hmm. To build their team. Um, the thing with the Yankees, though, is that they had their nice mix of homegrown talent as well. Because yeah. then you had guys like Bernie Williams. And you had guys like Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera, the core four. It was that nice mix of veterans that you went out and bought. You could say pretty much bought, but like you signed. And then you had your core that was going to keep you that dynasty. Because like yeah. you look at in 96 when they all came up as rookies to where they were in 2000 and 2001 or hell 2003 because that's where like that Yankees died yeah that Yankees dynasty you could really say kind of ended was in 2003 because then they they weren't in the World Series for another six years so they had that nice mix and that's what I always thought like to be a successful team you had to have that nice mix of free agents that you went out and spent top dollar for and then your nice crop of rookies. Which I I long term success for me at least in sports I just I respect the teams that build through the draft that build through you know not by throwing all this money around yeah I feel like because it's easy to throw money at a it developed is. product that you know is good it's another thing to take a chance on a prospect or take a chance on a rookie and and basically you need to hit and yeah. like imagine in the world where there was no free agency in sports yeah. it's just what you built through the draft. So what I, I always thought this, that the perfect combination to a legitimate contender and a legitimate like dynasty is you need that right mix. You need that right mix of developed talent or, you know, rookies, but you can't solely rely on them because there's inexperience. So you have to go and splurge at the right, at the, like, you have to smartly do it because it's easy to throw money. Like, there was a lot of deals uh, for, the, we are filming or recording this August 10th. Yep. And the past couple of weeks, we've had both the hockey free agency and basketball free agency. And in there's probably a lot of deals you could look up in both of them where you say to yourself, why are they spending that much money on that player? And it's easier to do that. Yeah. 
Because some some players, so here's and I mean there is a gamble in signing like a, a develop a, a distinguished name specifically to go to basketball for a second. The Westbrook signing to the Lakers. Well, that was a trade. Tra- them getting him. Sorry, not to not to specifically, but I think that a lot of people are like, oh, he's a great player. He's gonna work. But I, then there's the is he going? How will he fit in this system? He's a very assist guy, if I'm right, right? No, not necessarily. I mean, he, he plays, so he's a point guard. He, he's he is a point guard. And like, but from what I've seen with Westbrook is if he sees an opportunity, he's not going to hesitate, which is good in some respects if he gets to the rim. Well, the thing able. is, he's got LeBron James. LeBron James, even though he's a small forward and he's like six, 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 seven, six, eight. Yeah. Well, they also have Anthony he, Davis to pound the paint. But the thing is, he has the mind of a, po- a point guard. He doesn't. LeBron James. Well, that's what I like. Are, it's going to be interesting because while you have Russell Westbrook, are you going to have him be the one that facilitates the ball? I feel like I feel like you want LeBron. No in matter that. what team you are, if you have LeBron James, you he has to. Yeah. And like I, I feel like Westbrook and. Obviously, Anthony Davis does understand that. Yeah. And I feel like Westbrook... I'm just curious how this dynamic is going to work. But, like, going back to what I... So, there are a lot of teams that I feel like when they get these players, they're like, oh, he's a good player. He's going to work right away. And it just doesn't happen all like the that, time. That was the thing with the Nets with, when they got uh, James Harden. It took a while for them to start to click. Well, I feel like in, in basketball, you need to... When you get these three huge players, there needs to be one player that's like, okay, guys... I understand we're all great players, we're all great in our own ways, but one of us has to be the one. Well, the thing with the Nets is, like, it seemed like it was a different player each night. Well, like, the it issue was, like was all night. three of them were not, they played very limited amount of games together. That was another thing, healthy, too. Like, which, well, as soon as they started to click with each other, yep. that's when the injuries started coming. Mm-hmm. And, like, but, like, when they were playing with each other, it, it seemed like there was one night where Kyrie was the the centerpiece yeah. it was some nights where it seemed like harden was the mess well that's line. to keep everyone happy because if durant was if durant just walked forward and he's like the offense flows through me you guys take a step back i feel like i it, feel like they wouldn't number one they wouldn't be happy with the well position. i i feel like because i remember i think i heard a story that the way they shaped it up was whoever was hot that night they're gonna try to facilitate towards them yeah. So it was but a very even flexible still situation. doing that will can can you know not even like say it like this, but it can affect the morale of the no, other it can. two. No, it can't. Dep- because like say Durant's hot them. like all these games in a row, and then yeah. you're not giving you're not giving Harden, you're not giving Kyrie the no, chance no, yeah. to shine. You're gonna affect that, and that's why like with basketball, just because you get three really good players together does not mean you no, it doesn't mean success. Another, um, wasn't there, uh, like, one of the big threes, Houston. Well, hell, not even a big three, but you look at Houston. Houston, and hell, even the Clippers, yeah. up until they got uh, uh, Kawhi. Yeah. They both had really good teams that were always projected to be, like, top of the table. In the, in the playoffs, contending. Yeah, yeah, contending for a championship, and it never worked out. Well, I, I feel like there was, so, like, when it was Lob City, when it was uh, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. Yeah. I think that, and this just hap- This just happens to be a side effect of seeing an exciting team like that. Yeah, you're always going to be like, oh, they're really good. They're entertaining to watch. And just, I think they're going to go far. Just to think, there could have been an even more exciting team had that trade to L.A. gone or to the Lakers gone through. Yeah. Imagine Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, 
I think it was uh, Andrew Bynum was still there. Like that team. That team would have been good because like, that was the t- uh, that was the most recent Laker dynasty that was coming off that. To me, like even to this day, that team doesn't feel like they were. They didn't f- like you weren't scared of them, but they beat you. Oh, and and that kind of going back to the whole like shift of how philosophy, like the philosophy that wins championships. Yeah. You look at today. I mean, people need to play. You need to play some defense, but realistically, it's an off. It's whoever has the it's last an shot. Off- it's it's offense and it's raining threes. Yeah. Like when they introduced the three point line back in the eighties and the seventies. Because it was the ABA. Yeah. The ABA had it, and I think it became so successful in their league that rea- the NBA yeah. adopted it. But realistically, back in the eighties and nineties, and even before that, you had to power it because most yeah. of the most of the game, not most of the game, but a good a good portion of the game, unlike today, was played in the paint. You had yeah. to yep. you had to work for your buckets. Yeah. You didn't you couldn't just stand on the outside and charge. Yeah, and it the up point and guard was yeah. an assist guy. Yeah. He wasn't like the shooting guard was the guy taking the jump shots, but yeah. the other three guys were you like you said in the paint. They were in the paint, and that's and you had you had to be aware of everything in the paint. You you had yeah. to, you had to have a, a solid team yeah. down in the paint. And guys to like make it make it work. Like if you look at the nineties, it started to change. It well, started actually, to I, change I, in the oh. mid nineties with guys like Kobe and Allen Iverson yeah. and those smaller point or those smaller guards, not just point guards, but. Yeah. The smaller guards, they started becoming more of an explosive threat. Uh, yeah. Some of these guys would attack the paint, and even some of these guys would take like a lot of these ankle breaker uh, ankle breakers, and they just take a shot. And like that's where the three point shootout became popular. And then 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 you had guys like Stephen Curry who yeah. just changed like he flipped the script. Well, and that and it's funny because I remember a couple months back I was talking to my dad about it and he was talking about '90s basketball. He was like, "You think that the Golden State Warriors, like this was like last year when it was still like yeah. Steph, all of them on the floor." Yeah. But this is actually before Durant left. When I talked, yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. This was a little, little longer ago. But he was just like, "You think that they can hold up to the Bulls?" And I was like, "The question is not can they hold up to the Bulls. It's can the Bulls outscore them because." Yeah realistically you can bully them in the paint they're not gonna they're yeah, not gonna, they're not gonna attack the paint because especially, all you gotta do is get up to the yeah. three-point line those warriors Steph doesn't even need to go to it the had steph point line. Yeah. clay and durant like three and draymond like best yeah. i mean draymond was i i guess he was more of their you know but three of the but what i'm trying to say is those three, three were the, the best, best shooters, shooters. Yeah. yeah they were the best shooters in nba history so like realistically they could bully them if, yeah. if they dare to go in the paint but any smart coach would say yeah don't go to them. Let them make them come to you and make yeah. them stop you. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's just like I, I. It would be very. I think at the end of the day, the scorers obviously also, would, would win that game. And I'm like, my. I told my yeah. dad, he's like, you think they could play with them? I was like, it's not a matter of playing. Can the Bulls yeah. outscore them? And also, you got to look. That's at what you need to look at. Look at how many calls today would not be fouls back then. Oh my god. That, yeah. that the refs like I don't. Like when they say people say, "Oh, the players are soft." I don't think it's much about the players. I think it's more the refs. The refs call way more fouls, and there's so many free buckets at the well, line. Well, and and there's there's something to be said about how refs call games because yeah. in a lot of games in, in sports, refs can change the outcome. Well, and I wasn't even going to go there yet, at least. But yeah. refs, depending on how they're going to call the game, you can be more aggressive. You can yeah. you can take because like sometimes refs are just going to let you play. It's yeah, just yeah. what it is. But like yeah, I, I, I remember line. watching, I remember watching uh, an interview with Ra- Raiders player who was like, "You want to play just outside the rules. Yeah. You want to see how the ref is going to call the game, and then yeah. see how you can yeah avoid manipulate that. that. Yeah. yeah, 
Like, hell, you look at the NFC Championship game from this past year. Yeah. It felt like the first three quarters, the refs were letting them play. Yeah. They were, like, you could get away with almost anything. And then it felt like it wasn't until the fourth quarter that's when the refs started calling everything. Which I think is, I think if you're going to, if and it's it's hard to really say in the moment because I know the refs are under pressure to get call right especially in that situation yeah but as you get later in the game every call is amplified because there's less and less time on the clock and if you're gonna if you're gonna call stuff in the fourth quarter that you weren't calling in the first quarter i feel like there has to be that's why i feel like the packers got robbed only because there was a call in the fourth quarter that that final two minute drive that hopefully that didn't pick it up There was a call in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship. Are you talking about the one with uh, Kenny King on... Yeah, the the holding? Yeah. That happened three times in the first quarter that was not called against the Bucks Because it was the Bucks doing it against the Packer receiver. They were not called. But when the Packers needed that stop the most... Because it would have been a stop. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think that was a hold because the ball was not, I, I think it was like Vincent Jackson that was the receiver on that play. Mm. Um, it was either Vincent Jackson or Antonio Brown. No, Vincent Jackson's not on the... I thought he was. On the Bucks. Oh, no, this past season, no, he wasn't. He was with... Uh, well, there's Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, there's Antonio Brown, Brown. there's... I uh, thought Vincent Jackson was. Vincent Jackson retired a while ago. Uh, it might have been a, it might have been Antonio Brown, but the point is, like that was a. I don't think the ball was in a catchable position for the Bucks receiver on that play. So yeah, he retired in uh, twenty seventeen. Yeah. Vincent Jackson. So, but the point I was trying to make is that that play cost the Packers because that would have been a, f- a third down stop, which would have gave the ball back to the Packers because the clock clock would have been stopped. It would have been about minute thirty left to go, and the Packers would have gotten the ball back. And I feel like Rodgers could have drove in the field because the game, it was a four-point game, and the Packers could have went down and scored another touchdown. I'll tell you one thing, and you're not going to like hearing this. But, and I said but the this point the is, time. what I'm trying to say is, yeah. like, that, to me, right, if that was called at that moment, it wasn't consistent with how they were calling it earlier in the game. Absolutely. And that's what got me most no, I, upset I about that agree. game. However, I would like to say that at the end of the game, and you're, you're going to be mad hearing this from Roger should have run it. Roger should have ran it. He should have ran it on third he down. He had the... Because there was a play that I'm he ran mad. in another game. It was another yeah. game. Like it was late in the season. No, it was. I think and it was that, against that same. Play. It was that same play against the Bucks when they met earlier in the season, and he, just and he ran, ran it, it in. And he got the touchdown. He should have ran it. Like, don't get me wrong. I completely agree with you. Like people always say, "Oh, why did the Packers kick for a field goal on third or fourth down?" Look at that play earlier in the game, or that uh, that one drive earlier, or one play earlier. He should have ran it. You see, it's wide kind of, open. It kind of felt like a Brett Favre play where you he had was it, waiting and he was for that trying receiver. to he was trying to force it, and he threw it back across his body, which yeah. Cardinal sin in football. Rodgers could make those throws. He could, but that situation. Why are you going to do that when yeah. you have? He had that wide yeah. open end zone, and it's like it's the same when I look back at the 2014 NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm I'm the Packer fan here, so. We go back to 2014 when it was the Packers Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Packers had that like 16 nothing lead. That game, I, Here's I the lost thing. a bet on that. But I'm oh, my dad that. saw me upset, and he asked my mom. I was like, "How are the Seahawks gonna even?" He saw me so upset, like he asked my mom, 
Is he upset because he lost the bet? I'm like, no, no, I didn't bet. Like, we should have won that game. You should have, absolutely. Like, because here's I the had thing. money on that. And I People lost. talk <laughs> about the Brandon Bostic uh, mess up. That shouldn't It shouldn't have never came down to it that. Because. You look at, so the first two pack of drives, right? The one, or at least the first, it was their first drive. And then the next drive was, uh, they got an interception. The first drive, right? They didn't manage the clock well they after in, they got that interception. It was, uh, They five, were playing way too No, this was in the first quarter. Oh, I'm, this I'm is talking first, later in the game. I'm talking third, fourth Oh, quarter. no, I'm talking about earlier in the game. This gotcha. is their first two drives of the game. You mean when Russ threw like four picks in the first half or something? I think it was something like that, it yeah. Was like three in the first half, and I think he threw a fourth. And then, the, but the thing was, so the first quarter, or it's their like the first or second drive of the game, and they make it down to like the five yard line three times. They rush with Eddie Lacy, who was the rookie of the year yeah, that year. That was his best season. Uh, to, and he, to think what he would become. <laughs> oh my God. He could not run it in from the three from like inside the five on three straight plays yep. so that forced us to go for a field goal and then the next drive nelson jordy nelson as much as i love him missed a wide open rogers just like threw it in the perfect spot and nelson missed it and he pretty much missed a wide open touchdown so after those first two drives Instead of it being six nothing, uh, it should have been fourteen nothing, mm-hmm. which would have resulted the final score being like twenty eight twenty six or yeah, twenty two twenty two at the yeah, end of the game. It would have been twenty eight twenty two, which means there would have been no overtime. Packers would have won. Packers would have beat the Patriots in the Super Absolutely. Bowl. And honestly, I not to not to go on another uh, on a rant similar to that, but. I think back to the Ohio State Clemson game a couple back in football when they went down the field three straight drives where they could have they easily that was got, very recent. They, it was two years ago. Yeah, um, I was, remember that was a rough game because I remember watch. like I remember watching it and I was like, oh, Julian is like depressed. Instead of being up twenty-one zero, we were up nine to zero. Yep. And, yeah. And they they won that game. The Clemson won similar, that game, yeah. and it was just like you have to. And I feel like this happens for every any sport. When you have those opportunities, as much as points are good, you can't just settle for field goal. You're gonna hate me for this. Goal. Go for it. I'm gonna bring it back to my Devils. There we go. Because <laughs> no. here's the thing, right? The 2019-2020 season, there was a lot of optimism yeah. because we had made moves for PK Subban and uh, Wade Simmons. And then that was Jack, uh, Jack Hughes' first year. Yeah. Like for the first five games, the home, like the home season, or at least the first of the four, like five home games, Devils blew a lead, like in each of them. Yeah. Like the home, the home opener, Devils were up four nothing. Was they it were the up, Predators? Or? No, it was against the Jets. Jet. Oh, yeah. It was they that, were yeah. up four, I think it was four nothing, and they let in a fluke goal at the end of the, the second uh, intermission. Next thing you know, the Jets just come back, score three goals, and they win in a shootout. Yeah. Momentum then, is just... Yeah. <laughs> there was a game against the uh, the Lightning where it was... Uh, there was another game against the Oilers where they had choked. They were up like two nothing, and then the final score ended up being like four three in a shootout. And then there was a game against the Lightning. At least that they got a blew. point there. <laughs> I mean, they were all points, but yeah, point, points are points. Look, but yeah, if you look at how, how the season ended, if the Devils win that game against the the Jets and the Oilers, they make the playoffs or, or at least the qualifying round. There, there's so many games I could look at at that season where the Devils, because the Devils were two points away from the Canadians. Hell, the Devils lost a game to the Canadians. Had they beaten the Canadians? I went to it. Um, um, I got um, a nice upgrade from my season ticket holder at the time. Had the Devils won that game against the Canadians, because they lost in a shootout, 
And guess who scored the game-winning shootout goal? Guess. From the Canadians? Yeah. Who was on the Canadians at that time? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know this. <sighs> Devils fan's best friend. I think I know, but I don't remember the name off the top of my head. You, come on. Just say the name. I'm going to... The biggest name. Oh, the biggest name on the on the Oilers? Devils. On the Devils. Cause, biggest name on the Devils from the past 10 years that was on the Canadians at this time. Or the most infamous, I should say. Yeah, he scored this game-winning shootout. Oh, yeah, he was on the Oilers. No, he was on the Devils. Oh, you're... He was on the Devils. I was like, wait a minute, he wasn't on season, the Oilers. That season, he got traded three times. He was on the Kings, got traded to the Canadians. Yeah. And then, because I was saying Canadians, he was on the Canadians. Sorry, and I was thinking Oilers for a second. I was like, he, I was like, he wasn't on the Oilers. No. That's why I was like, no, you were thinking Oilers. Yeah, my bad. No. My that that is that is absolutely. Um, but my yeah, fault. he scored the game-winning goal uh, in shootout versus the Devils. That's why that. I was like Oilers. I was like, yeah. So um, he wanted. So the basically the point is, if the Devils win that game versus the Canadians, Devils make the qualifying round instead of Montreal. And we would probably would have beat Pittsburgh in the uh, the qualifying. I round. did not like the way they did that, but that's for, no, that was stupid. That's that should have been because here's the thing, right? To me, that should have counted as the playoffs. Yeah. And the way the stats run, like the Devils, I think should have had a better pick with the Vancouver pick because it, it, it effectively like um or no, it was the Arizona pick. Arizona had made the qualifying round. It shouldn't have been a qualifying round pick. And I think it was like... Well, I, I didn't like the fact that teams that were playing in the qualifying round were in the mix for the lottery, for the draft. Yeah, lottery. oh, that pissed me off. And it, of co- obviously, the, the one team that I didn't want to win the lottery that Rangers. year did. Yeah, the yeah. Rangers. That was... But I think that that is a talk for another time. Yep, that is. All right, and with that, we are going to call it a day on this podcast. Um... We'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast, uh, the two-man dream team, the two-man power trip. That's what it was from wrestling. More we, wrestling. We should do a wrestling episode. Who's Triple H here? Uh, I would say I'm Triple H. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm Stone Cold. Yeah. I can do a Stone Cold. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so thank you for joining us. Follow us on social media. Facebook, yeah, yeah, we got those. Twitter, yeah, we got those too. Reddit, maybe that's something we could look into. Instagram, most likely, eventually. OnlyFans, definitely. Yeah, we need to make that money. But um, so make that corporate daddy money. (laughs) Just remember that when the starters are out, the backups are out. The JV squad is here to pick you up.